Welcome in, everyone. It is Super Bowl Friday. I'm very excited, y'all. Cannot wait for this game on Sunday. Won't be able to sleep tonight or tomorrow. Granted, I'll be out working till 2 a.m. both nights anyways. So, uh, <laughs> how are y'all doing? Good, how are you? Great, man. Doing great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we got Logan and Danny on. Mark won't be able to make it. Alex, hopefully, will be coming on after work. Uh, but let's get to it. Got a jam-packed show today talking about the Super Bowl, but we got some stuff to talk about before that. Starting off in college news, some major college football news. Texas and Oklahoma have reached a big an agreement with the Big 12 Conference to leave one year early uh, and begin playing in the SEC in 2024. So they will have one more season in the Big 12 this year with the newcomers uh, to the Big 12, Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, and UCF all coming into the Big 12 this year. Uh, we'll play Texas and Oklahoma once. Each of them owe $50 million to, uh, to the Big 12, which uh, chump change. You know, you know, college football. So, especially, I, I did see they're going to get less of the SEC money in 2024 than what everyone else will get. Um, but the SEC pretty much just got $50 million per school last year anyways. $49.9 million in their uh, revenue split. So... Though they're gonna be fine, <laughs> they will recoup this money uh, relatively quickly in uh, once they join the SEC. So I'm excited though, excited to see what the SEC does with uh, the divisions and whatnot. How they're gonna put that thing together uh, with 14 teams then, or 16, 14, 16, 16, 16, yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm excited about that. Also, Georgia announced their pro day. It will be March 15th. I will be tuned in to that one. Uh, that'll be during Marquette spring break. So I'll be I'll be watching the Georgia pro day. Make sure I catch that one. Uh, I will not be in Georgia for that, unfortunately. But yeah. Um. Transfer portal, just one news item to note there. A uh, pretty good linebacker on the move. Virginia linebacker Nick Jackson. He is committed to Iowa. Hawkeyes getting another solid player. Uh, Coach Ferentz there has had a pretty solid offseason for Iowa. So, Good luck against the Badgers if they play. I don't know if they play each other. <laughs> Badgers are running with the Big Ten this upcoming year. Uh, okay, NFL news. Let's get to last night. NFL honors. I was absolutely pissed when Kelly Clarkson walked onto the damn stage wearing a stupid Cowboys dress. I'm like, really, Kelly? Oh, she's from Dallas. Really? I, I don't care. Can't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, she's dealing with the pain. They're never going to win a thing. So. Um... Oh wow! But it oh, was dude. good. She she did a good job. I'm no, not really a Kelly Clarkson fan. 
Uh, what do you think of like uh, George Kittle and I think Kirk Cousins also sang with her? Kirk Cousins, Cam Jordan had a song as well. Oh, Cam Jordan. Um, yeah, they were all pretty. They were funny. They were funny lyrics for sure. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they did the tour songs. That was, that was good. I like the one where George Kittle said Nick Bosa sacks Dak's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty good show. Uh, highlighted by Demar Hamlin coming on to the stage with his entire the entire Bills and Bengals training staffs, and also the University of Cincinnati Medical Center staff uh, team. Demar there as well was on the stage. Speaking of, and I know we're gonna get into MVP talks with Patrick Mahomes, but. I read this, and I don't know if this is true. I doubt this is true. But I saw something on Twitter where the uh, assistant trainer who resuscitated uh, DeMar Hamlin was voted fifth in MVP votes. Or, I mean, is that even possible? He did he, get one. Yeah, he received one MVP vote, yeah. Wow, oh, that's cool. Yeah, Susie Colbert that's from, really from cool. ESPN uh, voted for him. Uh, which wow. was, was nice to to see that, yeah, finishing yeah. Si- sixth in MVP vote since there were five player candidates there. Wow, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, another highlight of the the night uh, that was really heartwarming was the Ukraine tribute. Uh, there were, I believe, three players from the Ukraine League of American Football um, in person at NFL Honors, um, and they did a whole tribute with a lot of videos from uh, players on all the teams in that league uh, on the front lines uh, of their fight against Russia um, and uh, trying to to keep democracy in Ukraine and fight for their country going from everyday you know, people to, to the front lines. Was pretty heartwarming to see as well, um, and to support them. But uh, to the awards, so I, I kind of didn't like it because this award was was handed out during the red carpet show. But uh, the assistant coach of the year award goes to uh, former Forty ers now defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan's new Texans head coach. Um, thought that he was. Thought he was going to win anyways. Uh, that one was the close one, though, right? That was the one we thought uh, was going to be the closest between him, Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, and Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. So, deserving, though. Number one overall defense this year. Yeah, was happy with that selection. Um, I think we said on the Monday show, pretty much either the other two guys, uh, Steichen and... Um, um, ben Johnson also could have been up for it, um, but I, I do think that, you know, Tomiko Ryans was the right call. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the 49ers had to deal with a lot of animosity in the, uh, the offensive side, so Tomiko Ryans, you know, and the defense had to step, step up this year and, you know, took him to the NFC Championship game, so props to Tomiko Ryans. Yeah, it was a big night. Uh all around for the New York Jets and Dallas Cowboys. We'll get to that. Offensive player of the year was the next one handed out. Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson running away with it um, over 
quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Again, one we we called all the all the awards. Uh, most of them weren't really competitive in our minds on the Monday show. We talked about it, and uh, like I said, they all panned out as we thought. JJ winning the OPOY here. Yeah, very deserving. Uh, like I said on the Monday show, to me, he was the best offensive skill position guy um, this year. Um, very deserving of the award. There, there. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, he was dominant on offensive side, and everyone's doing the gritty now. So, <laughs> oh, thanks, Dan. <laughs> I, I still can't, you know, do it. So it's fine. Uh, there was a, he won another award. He won another award, though. It, it was. Uh, right moment of the year for his catch against the bills i did i completely disagreed with that i tweeted about it chandler jones should have won that award for his stiff arm of mac jones and winning the game for the raiders Mm. that was more impactful for that game i thought justin jefferson okay it was a crazy catch but we've seen crazy catches before we before him we had odell so you know We've seen crazy catches before. I think it's because everybody forgot about that Odell catch. Still. Look at the young kids that watch the game today. They don't. They barely know who Odell Beckham is because he's barely played in the past three years or so. So Still. I also think it would have been different if either of those teams had made the playoffs, but they didn't. So yeah, that too. Anyways, uh, defensive player of the year was next. Went to 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa. Uh, he beat out Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones. And who was the other one? There's another D-end, right? Or no, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, that's right. Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons. I lost $5 because Micah Parsons didn't win. They had all the other Cowboy stuff going on that night. Uh, Kelly Clarkson couldn't get the freaking votes to get Micah Parsons to win, you know. So but Nick Bosa leading the league in sacks. Uh, what was it, 19 and a half this year in the regular season. Um, pretty good. Not not the greatest season ever, but, you know, I can see why he won. Yeah, I don't see anybody else. I mean, yeah, Micah Parsons, but... He was, yeah, I agree. I agree with the pick. Mm. Uh, and then the Jets became the third team in NFL history to sweep the Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year awards. Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver for New York. Corner Sauce Gardner for New York as well. Winning Did you see that parlay those two or that guy lost? He, he bet three bucks, lost out on a million. He was one pitch guy. He had uh, Chris Olaf wearing, uh, winning the uh, offense work of the year. He didn't see that? Too bad, That's, so sad. Three bucks for a million dollars. Chris Olave, not even a really finalist. Uh, Purdy, Brock, uh, Garrett Wilson winning over Brock Purdy, 49ers quarterback, and uh, Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker. 
Purdy should have never been in that conversation. It's the dumbest friggin' nomination I've ever seen. Um, Terrible. Some people will say, well, there wasn't really another quality third person. I would have rather had Brees Hall, who played the same amount of games in the regular season as Purdy did. Um, or, like I mentioned on Monday, my kind of biased opinion put Kenny Pickett in there. He played almost the entire season and brought the Steelers to a 6-2 and record in the second half of the year. One, uh, not a game short, but, you know, just short of the playoffs as well there, finishing with the, the same record as the seven seed. Uh, but, yeah, Wilson... 1,100 receiving yards in his first year. Sauce Gardner, what was it, 20 passes defense this year? Just an outrageous number there um, for Sauce, as much as I hate his nickname. And I know there's going to be – he said him and Jalen Ramsey have a commercial in the Super Bowl that I'm probably going to get annoyed with again. Because it's probably going to be Buffalo Wild Wings. I hope Devontae Adams like has a comeback against that or something. I don't know, but yeah. Again, though, two 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 awards that pretty much knew who was going to win. Uh, Sauce Gardner beating out Seahawks corner Tariq Woolen, and um, Lions defensive end Aiden Hutchinson for the defensive rookie of the year. There. If only the Jets had a quarterback, right? I don't know. That number 12 guy's in the darkness right now. (laughs) (laughs) That was one quote from Kelly Clarkson that was absolutely hilarious. She's like, guys, we got breaking news. Aaron Rodgers is doing more mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... But uh, next award handed out was Coach of the Year. Went to Giants head coach Brian Dayball. Again, this award should have been so much closer because Nick Sirianni somehow did not end up on the ballot. Kyle Shanahan for the quarterback thing, I get that, having to go through all that. Uh, Again, I'll say Doug Peterson should not have been on that list. Uh, winning a crappy division. So, yeah, but Dayball, resurgence of the Giants. Yeah. Being able to cobble some wins together, like I mentioned, throwing two guys that I've never heard of with Daniel Jones as your quarterback is is deserving, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I have to agree there. I mean, in a powerful NFC East, Dealing with the Cowboys and Eagles, um, even the Commanders are uh, feisty. Uh, they were on the field, so yeah. Props to Brian Dayball. You know what's interesting? The NFC ran away with most with the majority of the awards. When we we think of the power balance between the two conferences, the AFC we everyone talks about is the strongest, which it really. Is. Is especially when you look at the quarterback position, but awards went all to the mm-hmm. NFC pretty much, except for the rookies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it seems that like overall the, the NFC is taking over. Um, 
Comeback player of the year. I know you absolutely love this one, Logan. Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith uh, beating out 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey and New York Giants running back Saquon Barkley. Go ahead, Logan. Give us your great analysis on, on Geno. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm i not going to go so far as to say he didn't deserve it. I think he did. Um but yeah, I mean, I just you know, it's. I did see a great, um, you know, kind of kind of comment because I mean, the debate is, you know, what exactly has this guy come back from being bad? You know, is like the you know, but I mean, the word isn't restricted to you know coming back from physical injuries, um, and you know, I, I think that there is something to be said about the situation that he was in in New York and not getting enough time to maybe develop them, giving him the time that he needed. Um, and, you know, who's the last, like, player that we've seen have this, like, just kind of out of nowhere um, resurgence, you know? Like, Kurt Warner, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> coming out of the Arena Football League or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean... You could you could have gone to Saquon, it could have gone to CMC, um, but I mean I don't have a whole lot of beef with it going to Geno. Yeah, <laughs> led the league in completion percentage, I believe. Uh, if that's right, I don't know if it's right or not, but anyways, yeah, Geno knew that was going to happen. Came back from irrelevancy, um, something Brock Purdy learned about. So. Yeah. Uh, MVP. I didn't put him on here. You know, that's the one picture I forgot to put on here, guys. Uh, <laughs> that why. was not. That was not on purpose. <laughs> I promise. I promise that was not on purpose. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP. I like it. It's fine. It's fine. You know why? The last nine quarterbacks start the Super Bowl that have won the MVP have all lost. So I am perfectly yeah. fine with Jalen Hurts finishing second in MVP voting and uh, Patrick Mahomes winning his second of his career. Yeah, I mean, he's the face of the NFL, I feel like, now. Yeah. He, he has to win. It feels like he has to win. Yeah. He has to compete against Tom Brady. He has to compete, compete against Peyton Manning now. I mean, the legacies of these guys, so. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I think it was deserving. I don't think, you I mean, you just look statistically, you know, he was tops in quite a lot of categories kind of quietly um, this year. Um, and just, I, I think he was just consistently kind of the best um, and and obviously most valuable player to his team. Yes, uh, second 5,000-yard season in his career. Um, most yards, most uh, combined scrimmage yards in a season in NFL history, actually. Is this the second or third MVP? Second. Second. Okay. Yeah, so five uh five thousand six hundred and eight total yards this year. Wow. Um 
most in NFL history, like I said. I didn't even know he broke that record. I, why was that not like a big thing? I guess I don't that's know. the new norm. Because <laughs> not many Maybe people talk about six thousand. Well, because most people talk about the passing yards record, but not the total yards. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He didn't break the total yards. yards. Yeah, he had three hundred fifty-eight rushing yards this year. Mm, okay, that makes sense. No. Um, and then the show ended. With the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, very deserving. As much as I hate the Cowboys, Dak Prescott uh, getting the award, becoming the the new Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, charity work, the, the work that he does uh, with mental health and awareness, and the story, the, the tragedy that he has gone through throughout his life with his mom uh, passing away because of cancer, while in college, um, and then, you know, his brother taking his own life just this past year. Uh, very difficult circumstances throughout Dak's life, and his upbringing as well. I mean, he's, he's from a small town in Mississippi. Uh, he lived in a trailer, you know. So from the upbringing to, to where he has come is a great story, and the, the charity work that he does off the field, uh, very deserving candidate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dak is such a stand-up guy. He is somebody that I typically do pull for to do well. Um, I'm very appreciative with how open and kind of honest he is about his mental health and kind of just breaking down that stigma. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think very deserving award, Uh, a great way to cap it off. And I think all these awards, if you kind of look at it, I think we're very deserving. And I think it's a rare occurrence that the league kind of gets them all right. Usually mm-hmm. there are a couple every year that kind of get debated, but uh, I think all these guys have a really solid case uh, for being where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I just, I mean, somebody who is an advocate for mental health deserves all the praise and for him to go through all that in his life and then to, you know, continue to work really hard in the NFL, do really well, of course. And, you know, I mean, he went to the injury a couple or the year or two ago, came back from that too. I mean, it's just, it's a roller coaster that he's been on. I mean, he's on a team that can't really get over the hump yet. Maybe they will in a couple of years, but um, yeah, just well-deserving overall. Yeah, and uh, awards weren't all that was given out because we also learned the men who will be enshrined in August uh, in the 2023 Pro Football Hall of Fame class. Was very surprised at the amount of recent players um, in the modern era uh, class, which is the first five guys there uh, from left to right, and then the first one on the left at the bottom. So we have uh, Buccaneers corner Rondé Barber, uh, Jets, Buccaneers, Patriots, and Chiefs corner Darrell Rivas, Browns left tackle Joe Thomas, Dolphins and Cowboys linebacker Zach Thomas, Cowboys and Broncos linebacker DeMarcus Ware. Uh, Those were the five Modern era finalists, the coach slash contributor um, inductee is 
former uh, St. Louis Cardinals and San Diego Chargers head coach Don Coriel, um, inventor of the Air Coriel offense. And then the three seniors finalists uh, all got in. The Bears and Cowboys linebacker Chuck Howley, Jets and Colts defensive lineman Joe Klecko, part of the New York Sack Exchange, and then uh, Bengals corner Ken Riley as well. Um, again, just like the awards, I thought all of these guys were very deserving. Um, obviously, don't know too much about the the senior spinals. I know a little bit about Joe Klecko. Don't know too much about Ken Riley or um, Chuck Howley. I know Howley, the only guy to win the Super Bowl MVP on a losing team, uh, which was incredible to to see that. But um, yeah. Again, it's a great class. It's crazy. There's only one offensive player in in this. Uh, you know, obviously Coriel there, uh, an offensive head coach. But yeah, crazy. The defense dominating this class. Yeah, I mean, looking at Revis and Thomas and Ware, the only thing I can think of is we're getting old. <laughs> It's yeah. starting to hit, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. Uh, I, I mean, this is this is when I really started watching football. Was like during the Buccaneers Raiders Super Bowl. Being around at Barber, and that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Ronde <laughs> and Darrell Revis uh, just locked down corners in their days. Uh, of course, Rondé Barber winning the Super Bowl with the Bucks. Um, Joe Thomas, best left tackle of his era um, by far, I think. I don't think there was really a guy that even touched him. Um, and to just go through 12 seasons in Cleveland, man, when the Browns were not good at all. It wasn't even like they are today, you know. Like, now they're kind of good. They're not always at the bottom but they're like kind of middle of the pack um, with potential to go to the playoffs. I mean, he, he logged through some just absolute crap in Cleveland when he was there and uh, tremendous that he stayed there his entire career. Go Badger. Go Badger. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and also I think Darrell Rios was a Super Bowl champ, wasn't he? Did he win with the Patriots or not? Yes, I think he did. I believe he won. I think it was Super Bowl forty nine. Uh, Super Bowl fifty one. I I don't know. I don't remember which one it was. I do think he won one of those. Uh, yeah, forty nine. Okay. Yeah, I knew it. He won one of the second three of the Patriots six there. Um. And yeah, uh, Demarcus Ware. A Super Bowl champion as well with the Broncos. Um, And like I said, Chuck Howley, I believe, is a Super Bowl champ. I think uh, he won. I think the Cowboys won one, maybe not, when Mm -hmm. he was playing. Um, After Bowl six. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, But, yeah, again, an incredible class. Very happy uh, for all those guys there. And like Logan said, we are getting old for sure. Uh, 
the first year eligible next year. Long list here. Some of the guys that were on this list, I was like, why? Why are they on this list? But I didn't put the tweet out. I just copied the names from the tweet. So don't at me. Panthers, Bears, and Packers defensive end Julius Peppers. Uh, San Diego and L.A. Chargers uh, tight end Antonio Gates. Chief safety Eric Berry. Uh, how about the, the amount of teams for this guy? Broncos, Dolphins, Bears, Jets, Giants, and Seahawks wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Ravens, Lions, and Eagles nose tackle Haloti Nada. Chiefs, Lions, and Jaguars running back Jamal Charles. Uh, Seahawks wide receiver Doug Baldwin. Packers and Raiders wide receiver Jordy Nelson. Texans, Eagles, Rams, and Giants defensive end slash linebacker Connor Barwin. Uh, Oakland Raiders and Seahawks kicker Sebastian Janikowski. Bills defensive tackle Kyle Williams and Colts quarterback Andrew Luck. Do we like any of those guys for next year's class? Yeah, I think Julius Peppers and Tony Gates are uh, first year uh, all famers. Um, but the rest are questionable. Um, as much as I want to see like Andrew Luck get in, and I could see him getting in pretty early, like Calvin Johnson. I mean, he only played what eight or nine years. Andrew Luck only played maybe what Five. six, seven. <laughs> so uh, I could see Andrew Luck getting in, but it might he might have to wait a couple years, and then the rest. I want Jordy Nelson in, of course, um, but. I don't know. Jamal Charles. I, I, I just I, I don't know. I mean they have to make they might have to wait a few years to see themselves get in, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I think Peppers and Gates are the only ones that have a really good shot um at potentially being first ballot guys. Um the other guys I'm not even sure, you know, if they get in on this list. Um you know, I think, I think with luck, you could make, you know, there is definitely an argument that when he was healthy, it's kind of like the Sterling, uh, Sterling Sharp argument where it's like, you know, like, all right, when he was healthy, he was top five at his position. Um, you know, just injuries kind of derailed his career. Um, but I think, you know, five or six seasons, man, um, you know, it's it's not a whole big sample size, uh, and the rest of their these guys I think are really had good careers. I'm not sure that they're historic enough to warrant, um, you know, Hall of Fame status. And I'm a big advocate of the Hall still being a distinction that is hard to, to obtain. Because I think with some other sports and other sports leagues, it's kind of just kind of, you know, like if you did enough, if you were like an above average like player, like you get like a nod. Um, I, I like that football, they take this process very seriously and it's a very um, hard criteria to kind of to meet. Yeah, I'd have to say, yeah, uh, I think but I would argue like about the MLB that it's pretty hard to get into the Hall of Fame MLB. But yeah, NFL same thing. It's you have to do way more than just you know play five or six seasons. I mean, look at Patrick Willis. He was snubbed again. Only played seven seasons for the 49ers. Great player, of course. Amazing when he was healthy. 
but don't know if he's going to get in because of how little he played. So um, it's good to see that the NFL is um, making it difficult for players to get in because they got to be deserving. I mean, you know, you can't just let everybody, let all these guys in and, you know, call it a day. They have to, they have to show their worth and, yeah, um, they gotta. I think next year is gonna be a year that the the committee really tries to push some guys in that haven't been getting in and have been finalists in the recent years, because they're like we said, like Antonio Gates and Julius Peppers are the, had the best shots out of those guys, but I don't think we 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 agree that you know. They're, they're surefire going to get in on the first try, right? Um, so I think next year is going to be a year where we see a lot of guys that people might not know get in uh, with, that have been really good and just have kind of gotten put on the back burner. Uh, I know they mentioned this during NFL Honors last night. There has been, or when I was watching uh, NFL Live or whatever, Super Bowl Live the other day, and there has been like a, a consensus on the committee that like, in the back of their mind where it's like we're putting too many guys recent guys in ahead of all these older guys that have been waiting and waiting and waiting um and then you you wait so long and then you get to your 25 years and then you're on the seniors committee and you can get in pretty easily kind of uh in that aspect but yeah i think next year they're gonna do that because they have to uh (laughs) when you start looking at the classes after that 2025, you have Eli Manning coming up. Um, you're going to have Drew Brees. Philip Rivers uh, is a questionable one. I know a lot of people would say I think he should get in. Um, ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger's coming up. And then, you know, we get to 2028, and there's Tom Brady. So uh, the 2025 to 2028 range, you got a lot of great quarterbacks from our era uh, of watching football and growing up, um, quarterbacks that will be coming down the line that will be getting in in their first shots. Um, so next year is a, is a big year for the Hall of Fame to get some guys in, I think, that have not that have been getting to the finalist stage and just not being inducted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. i got to go, Rusty. Um, but right. before I go, I think... I, I kind of want the Chiefs to win, not going to lie. Pick, score, and MVP. Yeah, okay. I want the Chiefs, but I think the Eagles are going to win. I want the Chiefs because I want Mahomes to have a second Super Bowl win over Rodgers to cement himself as a better QB and also as the face of the state farm because I'm sick of Rodgers. <laughs> all that aside, I think the Eagles are going to win. It's going to be close. Maybe 34-31. Jalen Hurts will win the MVP. All right. All right. Uh, take care. Yeah, man. Let's see. Have a good one. General news here: Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. He was in Louisiana visiting with the Saints last week or this week, whatever it was. They're the front runners. I mean, they're the only team that the Raiders have have given him permission to talk to. Uh, apparently, there's a a framework in place already for a trade. It's just, does Derek Carr want to go to the saints 
can the Saints make it work financially? And uh, we'll figure out something. Will they figure out something before the 4 p.m. deadline on Tuesday um, when his guaranteed money kicks in? Yeah. And I think, I mean, what I've heard is that he still prefers to be released. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, with that guaranteed money kicking in, and, I mean, I, he has a no, I think he has a no-trade clause, right? Yep. I mean, kind of has all the leverage. So, um, and if the Saints are the only ones that are showing the interest, um, you know, it's it's kind of tough. Um, <laughs> us Packer fans are so frustrated with Aaron Rodgers, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Derek Carr and to some extent, I guess, the the Raiders are probably um, a little frustrated because they might not be able to get compensation and trade Derek Carr because everybody's waiting to see what Rodgers does. Um, but, yeah, I mean, an interesting story to keep track of. I think if he liked the Saints, which I believe he did, because he played he played under Dennis Allen when Dennis Allen was the head coach of the Raiders. Um, so if he liked the Saints, I mean, and I'm the Raiders, I'm just I'm kind of taking what I can get at this point. You know, whatever New Orleans wants to send us, that is of reason, you know. I think a second round pick would would be enough, and people are like, "Well, would one pick really?" But the thing is, Derek Carr has not been an elite quarterback in his career. He's been a very good quarterback, but he hasn't been an elite quarterback. So, and like we said, they they really don't have any leverage, anyways. So yeah, so if you can get one second round pick and maybe tack on a, a late round or two, you know, I think that would be. You know, just a two and a five. Two and a five, give me that. Call it a day. At least get something, you know, for a guy who's been your franchise quarterback for, mm-hmm. what, seven, eight seasons now? I don't even remember how long he's been in, but, yeah. Uh, the Titans, they have a new assistant GM hiring from Green Bay. The Packers, personnel, football administration, executive Chad Brinker. Uh, going to Nashville to serve under uh, new GM Rand Carthon there. So Packers losing someone. I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the Packers front office drives me nuts sometimes with, you know, their kind of track record of being a little conservative at times. But, I mean, if you're looking to build out a front office with some guys, they're one of the franchises you look at just because they have been a very successful team for a very long time now. Um, So, yeah, I mean, a good hire. Uh, It it is good to see, you know, Packers uh, getting in all phases, getting um, moving their way up the ladder. (laughs) Uh, 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey was pissed off this week, so he went on a tangent to CBS Sports. Uh, <laughs> he wants the old NFL emergency quarterback rule uh, back in place after the 49ers loss in the NFC Championship game. Uh, the rule was eliminated in 2011, uh, and it used to be 
that you could carry three quarterbacks into game day with one not counting toward your uh, game day 45-man roster, active roster. Um, but the thing with that, at least I believe they didn't change this during the end of that rule, was that if that third quarterback played, no other quarterback could play in the game the rest of the way, um, unless he got injured, I think. So that was the caveat with that injury, or with that rule. But I don't think it's a bad thing. What the NFL did, though, they they kind of covered themselves because they eliminated that rule, but they expanded the game day rosters to 46. So if a team wants to, they can carry three because they added a spot on the active roster. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't think it would have mattered in this case. I mean, I don't. I don't think Kyle Shanahan would have anticipated losing his QB four. Um, I don't. I mean, I guess maybe they have somebody on the practice squad the that thing, like, who, they would have maybe <laughs> elevated, but like, I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, who, who do they even have behind yeah. Josh Johnson? Like, <laughs> uh, Jimmy Garoppolo hobbling around on his foot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I don't know if we'll see any talk about that at the next owners meeting or not. Commanders head coach Ron Rivera making a statement on Super Bowl Live this week, uh, pretty much saying that uh, 2022 fifth round rookie quarterback Sam Howell will enter his second season as the starter in Washington after starting Week 18, uh, a Week 18 win over the Dallas Cowboys, mind you. Um, sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, what do you got to lose? It's such a, <laughs> it's such a weird story, right? Because we're talking about a guy who, uh, like, you know, in like 2020, 2021 was, you know, it's him and Rattler. Number one gonna, pick. Yep. <laughs> for the number one pick. Next year, I mean, he's like, what, the sixth quarterback taken in a very weak yeah. class? He goes after Bailey Zappi in the fifth round. Um, yeah, I don't know. And now he's now he's been named the <laughs> starter without, like, any competition. Um, I mean, I'm sure they'll add, you know, a veteran arm or something. Like, Tyrod Taylor will end up on the commanders <laughs> or something. But... Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like you said, like, I mean, why not? They don't have really any other options. You drafted the guy. Um, and the the biggest question in Washington in terms of competition is do they re-sign Taylor Heineke um, because he's a free agent. Everyone is sure that Carson Wentz will get released um, because he is under contract still. But, uh yeah. That, I mean, that opens up a lot of stuff, though, now for, uh, you know, I don't even remember who their GM is, but whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, now it opens up, you know, the first round. They don't have to look at quarterback necessarily unless a, a miracle happens and someone drops because yep. they're in the middle there. Um. Titans, left tackle Taylor Lewan. he told Titans.com that he expects uh, the team to release him before uh, he has to make a decision on whether he wants to continue playing or not. He is considering retirement. 
I think retirement might be the best option for him uh, realistically because of kind of declined in recent years. And, um, I mean, teams always need linemen. So I'm not – I'm sure that he would have suitors. But he's not going to get a big money deal at this point in his career, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been up to date enough on Titans football to know – how much he's regressed but i do know that their line as a whole has regressed kind of from the ground and pound um prime derrick henry um days even though derrick henry can still be effective their running game kind of as a whole has not been Mm -hmm. um but yeah coaching carousel news here the texans D'Amico ryan's making his first big hire he has hired uh, Cardinals defensive line coach Matt Burke as his defensive coordinator. It's a good hire, I think. Uh, Matt Burke has been around the league a couple different places, uh, and also is very interesting off season that I saw on Twitter. He he climbs Mount Kilimanjaro in the off season, spent some time in Rwanda, um, and and skydiving as well. So he his off seasons are are crazy, but. Um, Matt Burke bringing some life to the to the Texans defense there. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Like, <laughs> you get done with like a grueling like seventeen like game season and like a, a whole summer of training camp, and <laughs> you decide you want to go skydiving and climb a mountain. That is <laughs> that is such like D line coach activities. I feel like <laughs> just like hardo like super intense stuff. Uh, really cool. Uh, just keeping track of the Commanders and Ravens offensive coordinator positions. Uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy uh, apparently is remaining is as a prime candidate for both of those teams uh, to be the offensive coordinator there uh, in Baltimore and DC. So we're in. That's one of the ones that we're kind of in a wait and see mode for uh, after the Super Bowl here. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it could be a good move for him if he wants to go to where he can be the primary play caller. You know, we've been kind of speculating, like, why, you know, he's been in talks with so many head coaching jobs over the years that just haven't materialized. Like, why is it? Maybe that is a factor that he feels has been coming up, so he feels he needs to kind of get under uh, out from underneath Andy Reid's shadow. Obviously, I think hopefully the Ravens position might be a little bit more um, uh, beneficial, but Hey, you know, I, I was going to say the opposite. I think the commander's spot is actually a more intriguing uh, or more. um, I don't know how to describe it, but if I had to choose between the two, it'd be the commanders right now. With the uncertainty at quarterback in Baltimore and the lack of weapons at the wide receiver position, I just don't think the offense right now has the the stuff that Eric Bieniemy needs to run his kind of offense. And in Washington, you have young receivers, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, uh, and others. You have a good running back in Brian Robinson. And, you know, you can mold Sam Howell. I mean, I think obviously if Lamar becomes available or there's some other controversy this offseason, um, then yes, but you're still going to take Lamar Jackson, I feel, over 
Sam Howell. I mean, it would be a gutsy move because you're saying, look, I believe in myself to be able to mold this fifth round, second year quarterback and create an effective offense. But I don't know. I just think Lamar is such an intriguing player that you can work with. And I mean, the Ravens just are, I think, a better overall roster. So you're not um, putting yourself in tough positions. Um, but to, yeah. I to mean, be honest, also, though, I know it's probably not something that he's going to take into consideration. But Washington would also be a better spot for him as a potential interim head coach. Because I, I think Ron Rivera is definitely on the hot seat going into this. Yeah. Season. Yeah. So, that's true. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> he could have a chance to be a head coach midseason if if things aren't going well in Washington for Ron Rivera. Although, if you ask Ravens fans, Harbaugh is too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Cardinals do not plan to hire their head coach until after Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Again, I just think that means Shane Steichen is going to be the head coach. I mean, he's one of the three finalists along with Giants offense coordinator Mike Kafka, and they just had another interview with Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo today. So to not hire it until after the Super Bowl, I, I think Shane Steichen's going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the Colts versus the Cardinals with kind of this musical chair of the <laughs> last kind of remaining top head coaching candidates. Um <laughs> Yeah, the, the Colts. The Colts are going to do all this work, right? And then they're going to come out after the Super Bowl and announce, "We have hired Jeff Saturday as head coach." I will lose my mind, dude. Oh, I will. I will Lord. literally go feral. <laughs> that will be hilarious. Uh, two updates on offensive coordinator spots here: the Buccaneers. They are interviewing Seahawks quarterbacks coach Dave Canales. He's getting another interview uh, there. And then uh, D'Amico Ryan's offensive coordinator there in Houston. Their first interview is an interesting one. Former Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury uh, back from his Thailand trip, finally. (laughs) So, um, yeah, he is interviewing for the Houston OC job there. He was just doing some East Asia scouting. (laughs) Uh, injuries here, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, he's going to have his UCL uh, repair surgery on the 22nd here. Should be able to be ready for training camp, um, but it's just it's another thing that's like, what are the Niners going to do? That's Everyone wants to know, what are the Niners going to do at quarterback this offseason? Because it's a crapshoot. <laughs> Uh, and then two injuries of note for the Chiefs. Corner Legarius Sneed injured his knee in practice this week. Uh, not considered serious. And then uh, wide receiver Kadarius Tony with his ankle injury on track to play. Both teams uh, pretty much healthy. Everyone. Uh, the Chiefs listed no players on the injury report um, in terms of limited participation. The only person on the Eagles injury report was a uh, wide receiver and uh, punt returner Britton Covey limited participation today in the last practice before the game. So, yeah, it's what we want, right? Healthy teams going into uh, uh, a matchup here. 
And now we're going to get to that matchup. Uh, so, who has the edge? We got our little... I can uh, I can draw these little check marks here. <laughs> we have that ability. Um, nice. Technology. So, actually, I got to change it. I got to... I don't know if the color is going to look right or not on here because of the green background. But um, special teams. So this one is interesting. I, Harrison Butker and Tommy Townsend, the kicker and punter uh, for the Chiefs. Eagles have a grayish punter situation right now uh, between Brett Kern and Aaron Sipos. From what I've heard, it's going to be Sipos punting here. Um, and then Jake Elliott. So I think the kickers are pretty even. It's I think it's going to come down to the punters, really. Yeah. And I guess in that case, like, Ty goes to continuity, I guess. But, I mean, it, it is pretty close. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and the, uh, the return factor here, uh, I don't think either team is very good in the return game. I think I'm going to go with with the Eagles special teams again this is not bias this is my analysis uh the eagles kick return team has been pretty good in recent weeks with boston scott returning the kicks he's had some good returns back there um isaiah pacheco i believe is the returner on kickoffs for kansas city so i think i'm gonna go with the eagles if you're okay with that i'll allow it okay there we go Coaching, Andy Reid, second most playoff wins all time behind Bill Belichick. Nick Sirianni, 2-1 and one now in the playoffs in his second year as Eagles head coach. As much as I love my, my guy, I think, it's, I think it's Coach Reid, right? Yeah. I mean, Andy is just, and I mean, not even just in terms of like his pedigree, obviously. He's one of the best coaches one of, with one of the best resumes of all time. But, I mean, he just still, in the modern era of football, is just one of the best coaches and continues to just put together um, really competitive teams. I mean, the Chiefs had a lot of turnover this year, you know? Their possibly biggest playmaker is in Miami now. Um, but they didn't lose any strides. Um, it's just a testament to, I think, who he is as a head coach. Um, can't say enough about Andy Reid. Yeah, and then when you look at the coordinators, the experience is on the Chiefs' side with Eric Bieniemy and Steve Spagnolo, Jonathan Gannon, uh, Shane Steichen. Like I said, you know this is the second year of this regime there in Philly. So I think overall, Jeff Stoutland kind of evens it out. <laughs> I think <laughs> for the Eagles. <laughs> The greatest offensive line coach in the NFL, Jeff Stoutland University in Philadelphia there. Uh, i got to give me one of those shirts, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're going to go with uh, the Chiefs on the coaching end. Defense. What are, what are you thinking on defense there? I feel pretty confident with the Eagles um, by a decent margin. And I want to preface that by saying, like, I think this is the best Chiefs defense it has been um, in a few seasons now. Um, they got some nice young pieces, but I just don't think they're as progressed as a unit mm. uh, or nearly as deep um, as the Eagles are. We talked about um, on the Monday show that D-line is just 
it's insanely deep, allows them to rotate, stay fresh, and get the best guys on the field for whatever situation it is, whether it's run stuffing, where you you haul Jordan Davis out there <laughs> and tell him just, hey, just sit in the middle of the O-line, um, or if it's passing yeah. situations when you get those guys like Hassan Reddick to tee off. Um, and now, I mean, they have dogs in the secondary. You know, James Bradbury, huge pickup. Um, Darius Slay obviously has been pretty consistently good his whole career. And I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is just kind of brought this kind of um, dog mentality to that secondary mm-hmm. unit. Um, I, I think the Eagles have a pretty decisive advantage uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, Eagles first, Chiefs second in sacks in the regular season there. Um, the All the guys you mentioned on defense for the Eagles, and I'll even mention more in the secondary, um, you know, Avante Maddox covering the slot. Reed Blankenship has been a godsend for the Eagles as an undrafted free agent, uh, rookie free agent this year out of mid-Tennessee State. Uh, and then, you know, also you look at, I, you mentioned C.J. Gardner-Johnson. The linebackers, the linebackers have not been the liability yeah. that people thought they were going to, including me. I thought the, the linebackers, and I'm, the linebackers are probably still the weakest point of the defense right now for Philly, but they have been actually pretty good. Kaiser White and T.J. Edwards, the two guys playing the most in uh, the Eagles' kind of base nickel set. They really, they really don't go too much uh, three linebacker sets, really. Uh, they they usually run a five man front or they run a nickel uh, defense there, but yeah, I think those guys. And I actually saw a stat: T.J. Edwards in coverage this year because they were talking about him versus Travis Kelsey possibly being an edge for the Chiefs. T.J. Edwards in coverage this year is actually uh, allowed just point six uh, expected points against uh i think that's the epa stat right you're the guy that knows all the stat things but Um, (laughs) epa uh epa versus the average linebackers at 0.9 so um or no that was yards yards average yards allowed i believe uh in coverage was uh 0.6 and the average linebacker is 0.9 or something Yards against expected. I don't know what it was, but it's in ESPN in an ESPN article. So just just, just read the just read the mega preview on ESPN. It's good. You'll find he it. did good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm disappointed in myself that I glossed over Wisconsin great TJ Edwards, who has had a career year. Um, yeah. Another Eagles. undrafted find by Howie mm-hmm. Roseman as well last year. Um. On the Chiefs' side, you know, their secondary is so young. I think that's going to hurt them in this moment um, with so many rookies playing. Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, Brian Cook in the secondary, George Karloftis on the defensive line. Um, so I think that's where it's going to hurt them is, is – and I think the physicality of the Eagles receivers also, A.J. Brown uh, specifically. Devontae Smith for his – minuscule size is is still a pretty physical receiver for mm. his six foot frame there so we're gonna go with philly here how about playmakers playmakers talking aj brown Devonte smith dallas goddard miles sanders kenneth gainwell for the eagles 
Chiefs, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey, Jarek McKinnon um, for the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. I think if you you put them all and listed them, I think that Travis Kelsey would be the best playmaker um, mm-hmm. in terms of the offenses. I think, he, you know, he's an elite. He's just period as an elite pass catcher, um, regardless of him being a tight end um, and just has been for a really long time. But I think if you look at kind of <clears> – <throat> The entire team, the entire rosters, I just think that the Eagles have more options uh, in that regard. You look at the running back room, um, decently um, comparable, I think, but I think I like both guys on the Eagles just a step more than I like Pacheco and McKinnon. Um, I think Miles Sanders especially being um, kind of more of a traditional can-do-it-all um, but also, um, liking Kenneth Gainwell for the spark that he can provide. And then just in terms of receivers, um, you know, you can't compare the receiving core really with the chiefs who have kind of put together this patchwork that has worked, um, with MVS Juju Smith Schuster and the acquisition of Kadarius Tony, um, but, I mean, the Eagles have two bona fide. I think it was A.J. Brown who said it. We have two wide receiver ones, um, mm-hmm. and they really do. Um, Devonta Smith really has developed into that guy who I thought he could be um, in the pre-draft process. Um, and then when you look at, I mean, obviously Kelsey's the best tight end in football, but Gallard's, uh, Goddard's no slouch either. He can be a really effective pass um, catching option. So I think that the edge goes to the Eagles in that regard. Yeah, I agree. I mean, how can you go against swole Batman, skinny Batman, and then, you know, you got Jason Kelsey, even though he's not a playmaker, but it's fat Batman too. So, uh, I mean, how, how can you, you can't beat three Batman on, on one team, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you got superman on the other side yeah mm. even that'll be tough okay quarterback patrick speaking Mahomes of superman <laughs> versus jalen hurts i i think i to be realistic and honest i am gonna pick patrick mahomes the eagles already won this here it's it's three to one so the eagles already clinched um, but just because Jalen has only been a starter for, uh, three seasons now, uh, two, three seasons. Yeah. This is fourth year in the league, three season starter. Yeah. I, I have to go with, with Patrick Mahomes, two time MVP, one time Super Bowl champ has been, this is third Super Bowl. So. He makes the offense better than what it is, which we kind of mentioned with the playmakers. They don't have the guys the Eagles do outside of Kelsey. So, Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I love Jalen Hurts. It's so rare to look at a guy's career and just see, I've mentioned it on the pod so many times, just this clear linear progression. Going all the way back (laughs) to his... Freshman season at Alabama, just getting better. Um, 
but it's just not close in in my opinion. I mean, Jalen Hurts has had a phenomenal season, is a great quarterback, um, top 10 easily, but Patrick Mahomes is just like this transcendent, bona fide number one. There isn't anything Patrick Mahomes can't do at the quarterback mm-hmm. level. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah. So Eagles win right here, 3-2. to two. Uh, special teams, defense, playmakers over the coaches and quarterback. Pick standings. Uh, we'll talk about this before we go to Rihanna. Obviously, there's only one game left. I'm just trying to tie you, dude. That's I'm trying to tie for second place. Mark is trying to not finish four, five, uh, three above you. So... That's what's at stake here. But we have to talk about the halftime real quick. Riri performing for the first time since 2018 Grammys. Uh, Hasn't put out an album since 2016. The biggest question that I've been trying, I've been researching, man. I I just, I want to know who I'm supposed to be expecting on stage with her. And there's a whole host of candidates, right? Jay-Z, Run This Town, he he has a song uh-huh. with her. You know, yeah. Eminem has a song with her, but he was on the Super Bowl last year. Um, you know, there's a couple other people that have songs with her. Britney, I think Britney Spears is going to yeah. be the one, though. I think she is going to show up with Rihanna. And I think Jay-Z possibly is another big one. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm not as up on my pop culture um, in this regard as I wish I was, but I do think I'm, I'm with you on the Jay-Z part. I wasn't aware of the Britney factor, and I think mm-hmm. that would definitely have a lot of meme potential um, to gain some traction. I think there's definitely some there. I think Drizzy Drake, I think you could we could definitely mm-hmm. see a little Drizzy um, at the Super Bowl. Um, and I know my roommate mentioned ASAP because her and him and Rihanna mm-hmm. are, are together. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, then and then I think there's a good chance of that then too. Yeah, so ASAP Rocky, yeah. possibility there. Um, but I'm I'm picking Britney and Jay Z as the the top two <laughs> contenders there. Uh, okay, let's get to the thing that everyone came to watch this show for. All ten of those people. Uh, <laughs> we love you. Super Bowl 57 Chiefs against the Eagles. Eagles favored by one and a half points. And I told someone today, I don't care. I don't care if we're favored by the books. In my mind, I mean, I'm not from Philly. I'm not one of those people that's like outside of Philly and that says you're from Philly when you're really not from Philly. I mean, I live two and a half hours away from Philly. But. I'm not from Philly, but I have the Philly spirit where it's like I'm a dog no matter what. I don't care. You can put you could you could have favored the Eagles by ten and they'd still feel like they're disrespected. They're underdogs. Why have they been working all season to not win this thing? So, with that said, you're up first. You are picking the Kansas City Chiefs 38-35. Patrick Mahomes as your MVP. Yeah. Yep, you know, it's so tough. And I think that the lines says it all. 
minus 1.5, you know, plus minus 1.5. I mean, it's, it's a push. It's, it's so hard. These teams are so good. And uh, I mean, they're, they were the both number one seats coming out of their conferences, um, which doesn't happen that often. Um, and I've mentioned on the pod multiple times, my process for my picks for good and bad is when I have a toss up, I look at stuff like coaching home field and quarterback. Um, and for me, this was a really toss up. Um, I had a hard time picking obviously, um, no home field here, neutral site game. Um, but you know, just, it, it does for me come down to Patrick Mahomes is that dude. Um, and I think he just makes up for so many deficiencies. We just talked about on the last slide on paper. I think the Eagles have the best, um, talent across the roster, but Patrick Mahomes just, you know, he can make things happen that just you wouldn't be able to do with anybody else at, at the quarterback position. Um, so it just kind of does have a team of destiny feel, but I think it's a super close competitive game. I think it comes down to a final Butker kick, you know, with time expiring. Um, it's, I think it's going to be a very historic game. So Mark is picking the Eagles along with me. Um, he didn't give me a, a straight Super Bowl MVP answer, so I gave him Jalen Hurts as the chalk answer. Uh, he said, if you want variety, give him a running back. So Miles Sanders, <laughs> I could have put Miles Sanders there. But 31-28 is Mark's final score there, a close one as well. And look, I think I've told people this this week. It's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be a very close game that goes down to the wire, or the Eagles are going to blow them out. Uh, I think that's the only two ways this game goes. I don't think, I don't see the the Chiefs being able to blow the Eagles out. Um, not that's not being biased. That's just what the personnel shows uh, for each team. Uh, but I obviously am going with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, 24-21. I like the under in this game. I know a lot of people like the over, but why would you have the number one pass defense in the NFL and the number one and two sack defenses in the NFL to give up like 60 points or to go over? The total is 51. It has moved a whole point since the line opened at 50. Um, so I think it, the under hits 24-21 there. Uh, I am going with the outside-the-box MVP, and he, his odds have not changed. Uh, I have a bet in on him uh, for $10 to, to win $350. For Hassan Reddick, I mean, I think if the Eagles win... He is going to be a massive part of this game, and I think it's going to have. Uh, I think he's going to have two sacks and a and a strips and a fumble, forced fumble of Patrick Mahomes. Um, that is going to be why he wins Super Bowl MVP. We haven't had a defensive player win it um, since uh, what's his face with the Seahawks in uh, Super Bowl Forty Eight. 
Yeah. Malcolm Smith. Was that the guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's crazy. Yeah. I think this is the year for the defense, and that's what Philly's been predicated on all year is their pass rush. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, I think, has to have a good game to win this too. But the thing is, from what we've seen in the playoffs from them, granted, it's probably going to be closer than the two games they've played. He hasn't had the stat line, really, of an MVP because they haven't had to use him. That's what I think people are disregarding in Jalen's playoff performances so far. People are like, well, Jalen hasn't played that well in the playoffs. But they haven't had to. He hasn't had to be... He hasn't had to be that passer that he was in the regular season, and people are st- saying stuff like, "Oh, maybe his shoulder's not really good right now." I I don't think that's the case. It's been two months since he got injured, and he's played only a only three games in those two months. So I think he's perfectly fine. I just the, he hasn't had to be utilized in the passing game the last couple of weeks because of the the scores and situations that they've been in and the success that their running game has had. So I think they're going to run the ball very effectively against the Chiefs. They're going to uh, quell Chris Jones in the middle, and, and I just think the offensive line is going to take over like they did against the 49ers. It's going to wear on you and wear on you. Um, and, yeah, they're going to win that one. I should have put a score with my my box numbers that I have and I'm in two I just entered a second uh block pool today so I don't know the numbers of that one yet that one doesn't come out until uh Sunday morning but the other one I'm in our guy Chris I'm in his block pool he uh I should have put a a seven to six kind of score on there because those are my two numbers in his so 27 26 Eagles or 37-26 Eagles works for me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, go Birds and uh, get my uh, full, my dream fulfilled that I had in the beginning of the season. I've been saying it all year long. The Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. And uh, here we are. Yes, sir. <laughs> so next week... Changing, it's literally like a whole 180. We are changing gears because uh, it's a new season. We got a new season coming up. It, it's right there. XFL season preview next Friday. We will have roster previews, which they, they announced the 51-man rosters for each team this past week. I have all the pictures saved on my phone. I'm going to uh, kind of analyze them this week. You got to get on that too, so so you got some stuff to talk about, and I'm not just talking <laughs> for 99% of the time when yep. I'm talking XFL. Uh, <laughs> we'll also have season predictions, not necessarily records, but I will give you who I think will meet in the uh, XFL playoffs and then get to the XFL championship game. Logan will tell you his predictions as well if, if he uh, has any. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I'll throw some darts at the board. All right. Sounds good. Uh, But, yeah, that is the show for today. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media, um, at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, at FAA underscore bets also on Twitter. FAAPodcast.com is our website. You can check us out here on YouTube, 
Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Also, last thing here I want to mention, thank you to anyone and everyone who has watched the show. Thank you, Logan. Thank you to everyone that has been on the show. This is the last episode of our third year. I can't believe it's been three years already since I started this thing in 2019 at Georgia. Uh, Very excited to move into year four next week on Tuesday. Um, And yeah, just want to say thank you. It's kind of perfect that this is the 110th um, Friday episode and kind of nice even number there. So thank you everyone for watching, listening, being on the show for three years. Sure. (laughs) And for that, we wrap up and uh, go birds once again. Happy Super Bowl weekend, everyone. We will see you back on Tuesday.